Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. We have an exciting episode because we actually have a couple as our guest uh, today. But before we introduce our wonderful uh, guest, uh, joining me is my co-host, Micah Current. Micah, how are you doing? Good, and I'm glad it's not you and I that we're talking about as a couple because we we get together every week but um we actually have a married couple that's going to talk about yes a married couple and not me and micah yes so we're just a couple of pastors that cut up every week and yep uh, so anyway yeah it's good to be here yeah thank you and joining me today is uh carson and ashley collins welcome to the scott summit podcast hey thanks for having us now carson how many years have we known each other oh man we got to go back to like a one, maybe you want to go back one, to like, yeah, it's high school, high school district stuff, Northeast Ohio Church of God, winter retreat, camp meetings. Yeah, wow. it's it's been a long time. And then, of course, you did your you because you did your church planning stuff. And then I did the, you know, the old boring route of actually, you know, trying to find churches that weren't that are already planted and just yeah. trying to see if I can make something grow from it. Um <laughs> Not very successful out of either one. So. It's not easy, man. It's not easy. <laughs> Planting is uh, sometimes a little bit easier than uh, revitalization. Yeah, ain't that the truth? But um, before we dive right into our topic and get to talk to Carson and Ashley, Stories Gone Wild. So Carson and Ashley, since this is your first time on the show, Stories Gone Wild, just a segment where we just kind of talk about strange, weird stories or occurrences that happen. And I know I put you on the spot and saying you do that. So I'm going to give you time to think about it. And I'll go ahead and jump first. And Micah, you can follow along. And then if you guys have one, you say, okay, we're ready. You say, yep, we don't have one. Let's move on. (laughs) Okay. So I'm in the midst of my doctorate uh, program at Ashland Theological Seminary. And I'm taking a class called um, Leading the Church in the 21st Century. So yesterday was the topic of women in ministry, which within the Church of God, eh, not very controversial, not a big deal. We've had women in ministry for a while. So we're talking about it. And and the professor, he is Assemblies of God. He basically grew up very fundamentalist, as right as you can. And eventually he says he's now just to the middle he's middle of right or however you would say that um so he's very supportive of women in ministry gave his whole story about how it was his mom who led him to christ so many women were influential in his faith development and even when he started searching the scriptures and doing it himself he realized that there is a case um, a biblical and even an exegetical case about women should be priests prophets all that things and he did the work himself so cool 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 and the way our class is set up, he lectures for the first half of class, and then he has a guest speaker coming. So we had this uh, woman come in, and she spoke about women's ministry. She's in top leadership of the Assemblies of God. Wonderful. Great conversation. Then we have a time for Q&A for the last hour of class. And that's when things got a little weird, because instead of – he's asking about women in ministry classes, and people are asking questions. I had one, but I was just kind of holding off on it. And then all of a sudden, he starts asking – because she grew up in Canton, Ohio, and asked, kind of asked the question about, you know, how much of that little girl, you know, who grew up on the streets of Canton, like how much is that angst girl still in, in you when it comes to ministry? And she's kind of talked about it because they're good friends, they're close, they work together. So it's like, okay, getting a little personal, but it's still in the theme of women in ministry. 
And then he starts asking questions about her childhood, about some of the horrible things that happened to her. And all of a sudden, you can just see the tension just thicken. <laughs> and everyone's, I'm sitting over, I have two beautiful African-American women sitting right next to me. And I happen to glance over, this lady has her phone in her hand. And I see the text message with the lady sitting next to her going, why are we talking about this? And then the question, question, question mark. And I'm thinking, so then I raised my hand to ask my question, which was about advocacy and men advocating for women. And what do you do when you get pushback from men? What do you do when you get pushback from women who are saying like, hey, you know, women shouldn't be pastors from women. I'm like, oh, that's weird. But I've had that happen before. Hoping to break the tension. Let's move away from this. She answers it. We have a discussion. Great. 15 minutes less the class. And then all of a sudden it goes right back into that. And I'm just like literally counting the minutes to get out of that room it was the weirdest thing and and the whole entire time i'm sitting there thinking how was that relevant to women in ministry it's so weird and i even talking afterwards with some students they're like i don't know what that was it didn't make sense why were we talking about this this isn't a counseling class i'm like it's not a therapy session either but there we go so turned into one it turned into one, a very awkward one where it's like, uh, should we actually be in the room or should we just leave and put like, do not disturb counseling and session on the <laughs> classroom door? Micah, what's your story gone wild? Well, that is a doozy. You texted me the other day and you're like, man, I got a doozy from when we record with that. Uh... And I wasn't lying about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said we had a doozy. So, you know, I, I went to seminary, I went to Anderson. And so those... uh intensive weeks where you get together with folks it's like you never know <laughs> you never know what somebody's going to say or the deep rabbit hole of conversation we're going to get and um you know i went to seminary 10 years ago so like i can't imagine what folks are talking about today and the political climate that we're living in and, and some other uh, conversations that we're having but <clears throat> i was trying to think of a story's gone wild before we we recorded and um you know we've recorded a couple of episodes this week to drop for later dates and so I'm I'm thinking about uh, digging in the vault of stories because I don't rem- I don't have one because I shared more recently in the last episode we did, uh, but I was thinking about um, a transition in ministry and we've talked recently about some transitions and things like that and um, I remember I was I was uh, creative arts pastor at a church in North Carolina and the church is closed now so it's like it it's you know it's public knowledge Thanks. and everything like that so you know we <laughs> talked about what did you say safe. Yes. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's <laughs> safe, story, but it's. Right. But it's. Uh, I'd probably tell the story anyway and just not say the name of the church. Uh, right. But but anyway, um, we uh, we have been at this church for seven eight months, and my wife and I. Uh, um, I was from Ohio, and her family live. Her mom and dad live in in Dayton, in the Dayton area, the Greater Dayton area, and um, we had come home for Christmas, and we got job offers to to come back home. And I got a job offer at another church, and she got a job offer at Miami. And we just felt like there there was a transition coming, and we just didn't feel like we were a good fit for the church we were at. And um, the church provided me a laptop to um, to do all my work on because I did worship and social media, marketing, website, all that stuff. And so um, the office manager of that church was like the if you could define penny pincher, the woman's picture would be next to it in the dictionary. Right. So, um, the pastor told me that I could keep the computer, you know, and that I could just be done and, you know, walk out of the church and he appreciated my time there and, you know, appreciate everything I did. And so the Monday 
that I walked in. So like I had my last Sunday, I went in on Monday to get my last check. We were moving later that week. She was like, I need your computer. She was holding my paycheck hostage until I gave her the computer. And this is after the elders and, and the pastor told me that I could keep the computer. And I was like, I hadn't wiped this computer. It had personal information on it. Like, you know, it was still very much like I used it the day before kind of thing. And so here I am sitting in the sanctuary. Lord, what am I supposed to do? Like, I literally left her office. I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I called the pastor. He's like, you know, it's probably just not worth the fight. You should probably just give it to her. And I called my wife and I'm like, this is ridiculous. They're holding my paycheck. We need this money so that we can move hostage so that I can, I can leave. So I'm like, you know what? Lord, it's not worth it. You provided before, you'll provide again. And so I sat in the sanctuary and I wiped the hard drive of that computer <laughs> as I'm talking. And, and by the way, my wife and I have been married like six months. I know we're going to talk about marriage and, and relationships in a little bit, but like, and I think that's probably why I shared this story, but like, she's like, it's not worth it. It was confirmation. Wiped the computer, gave it to the admin. She gave me my check and I was like, you have a great day. It's been great, work- <laughs> it's been great working with you. Yeah. Peace. <laughs> and that was my... Uh, the last time I talked to that lady, um, yeah, I mean, this, this, this is the same woman who like, she grew up in that church. Her family was in that church. She was the admin of that church for years and years and years and years. Um, when the church closed its doors, she kind of went down with the Titanic kind of thing. And it was, everything was a fight with her. They like, we, we painted, uh, the exterior walls of the, the, like, it was like a, like a Pentagon, the church building was a Pentagon shape. And so like the exterior hallways, we painted it and we all voted on like what we would want to paint it. And I'm not kidding you. It was like a, it was like a tan color. We probably painted it the same color, like it may be a shade or two different. Right. And she pitched a fit about it. Like it, yeah, there was so- no, ple- there was no pleasing this woman at all. Yeah. So, um, That's church of God at its finest right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> glory. Glory. <laughs> I, you don't know me. I mean, you don't know me from Adam. We just met. So like I grew up Church of God. I'm ordained Church of God. I've worked in Church of God for 10 years. My dad's a Church of God pastor and has been for 40 years. He and I butt heads on theology and butt heads on church culture. And the hymns are the heritage of our faith. And yeah. she, she listens to this. I love you, Dad, but you know, I don't I don't think you're right. So um yeah. yeah. You All guys right. have a story for us? You guys have a story? You guys are like Ashley's like, nope. I'm, not I'm sure you have plenty of ministry stories with planning churches or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but I'll just tell you what happened yesterday. Okay, yeah. fresh, <laughs> fresh on fresh. the market. I was at a um, so I got a I'm a full time uh, insulator uh, by trade, uh, union insulator, and uh, we had our union meetings uh, generally on the first Tuesday of the month, but because it was Fourth of July week, you know, we moved it back a week, and. Um, we're sitting there and a uh, guy raises hands and he tells, you know, the 30 of us or whatever in there. He's like, you know, you guys can believe what other these other people are saying if you want to be dummies, you know, and all this. And so he calls all of us dummies. And um, so one of my buddies up front raises his hand and he says, hey, I just want to be real clear. Are we are we calling each other names at these meetings? Is this something that we're allowed to do? And um, and then it, it stopped being funny because uh, the guy in the back uh, said, uh, hey, uh, what are you going to go? You can go kill yourself. Jeez. Now, the person had a history, right? An issue oh, in the past wow. at a different place. And this person knew it, you know, knew it. 
And I tell you what, my head has never snapped around quick because I was in the, there's only three rows, not a big room. There's three rows. I'm in the front, he's in the back and my head snapped around. Like, I can't believe that just come out of your mouth. And uh, so my buddy up front gets up and I think, you know, this guy's about to walk out, you know, I'm like, and I'm, and it's like, you know, they should have, they should have slammed the gavel. Like the guy should have been thrown out for saying anything remotely like that. And so, you know, my buddy's about to walk out. And so I'm like, I'm going to, I'm walking out too. Like, this is ridiculous. Like who does this? So I'm right behind him. And instead of going towards the door, he makes a hard left right at that guy. <laughs> and uh, it starts pushing towards him. And I find myself in the middle of a, uh, a little bit of a scramble. And I'm holding him back, hold, pushing him. You know, you're like, you can't fight. We're not fighting. We're not doing this, you know, and walking out. And and I just, uh, I was I was just completely blown away that someone would take someone's worst moment. You know, their their hardest time, their maybe their their lowest point of existence. And and that's, you know, we'll talk about it probably a little later, but that hit close to home for me. Um, yeah. like we were in the, when we were at the bottom of what we were going through, that crossed my mind more than once. And uh, so I was really, man, I was really heartbroken and, and we ended up, we ended up leaving the meeting and I've never left a union meeting before in my life. You know, we've only been, I've been in about six years now, but I've never left a union meeting before. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't accept it. And uh, wow. so that a little wild and uh, no one got hit. No one, you know, there was some pointing and some uh, some rearing back or whatever. But uh, I was able to hold the guy back. So lucky for the other guy. That's never fun. I've been in that situation where someone just goes and I'm like holding a guy back. And I'm like, and I'm just in there. Like, a Church oh, Lord, of God please. board meeting. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah I've been in worse meetings. I wasn't going to lie. Like, not <laughs> quite. But there's been times where I've had to hold people back, or especially at camp when I have like a couple of kids. And here I am like. Mm-hmm. hugging three kids who are yeah. charging and I'm the wall and I'm pushing back against them. I'm like, calm down, take deep breaths. Okay. Think of Jesus. Think of Jesus. Yeah. Think of Jesus. Yeah. So that was wild, man. That was yesterday. Oh, so. wow. Goodness. So like I've said, friends, we have Carson and Ashley Collins with us and I've known Carson for a lot of years. And um, so uh, Carson and Ashley, and you guys can choose who goes first, but just kind of do a quick introduction of who you are, kind of what your life is like, and kind of your current ministry context. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was raised Church of God, uh, you know, from uh, at Ellet uh, Church of God there in in Akron, and um, went through that whole thing, got called to ministry probably when I was a junior, junior in high school went to uh decided to go to Warner University uh after a missions trip to um church on the street in Atlanta um went there did um did one year in class came back I was I got married uh to my first wife at um uh between between in the middle of the freshman year so between semesters and uh moved back here to Ohio where um I just got into youth ministry and uh, got another job and tried to finish school at the same time. So it took me about seven years. Um, by the time I finished school, I had been through two two youth ministry jobs, one at Ravenna, one at Ellet, um, and kind of did some young adult ministry, a little bit of a young adult service, church planting within a church type thing, uh, which is kind of what they tell you to do if you if you can't get the the traditional service off the ground a lot of times. So um did that went out and started planning a church in uh in Lorraine uh county kind of Amherst uh Lorraine uh cities there and uh did that for 
about 10 years. And um, now I am currently going for my master's of divinity uh, at MTSO in uh, near Columbus there. And I uh, am the director of outreach and community engagement at the Lakewood United Methodist Church. Uh, and I run their um, their contemporary service for a better term, uh, preach every Sunday and or most Sundays. You know, mm-hmm. about- what is it with you Church of God guys going to UMC? <laughs> <laughs> they it's, take care of it's, us. <laughs> it's the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Maybe, maybe I should, maybe I should join. <laughs> Maybe I should join or me. something like there's a Scott was mentioning a guy a couple of weeks ago. So I work at Miami in higher ed. And um, didn't you say you have a friend that pastors the UMC church in Oxford? Yeah. Caleb Henry. Yeah. He was a Ontario church of God. And now he's in Oxford uh, United Methodist church. And I went there's to Anderson another, with him too. So there's yeah. another one. <laughs> yep. Sorry. Go ahead. Yep. And, and Ashley, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I'm Ashley. I'm a full-time accountant, a mother of three teenagers, and um, my role in ministry is is my own, so it's not associated with the church. So what um, we do is provide support and Christmas gifts, Easter gifts, whatever they need for children who've lost a parent. Mm. Every child. It's called everyone's child. Everyone's child. Yeah. Everyone's child. That's cool. Awesome. And is there like a website or something for? No, not yet. Not yet. Oh, that's cool. So it's kind of like a. About six years we've been doing that now. So we used to be able to do one family and we're just being blessed to be able to do (laughs) three families per year. Wonderful. Great. Great. Uh, So um, Carson um, and and even you too, Ashley, with like that, because I think I'm very excited about that ministry. So how did that, um, Tell me a little bit about the Genesis. Was that something that you kind of created? Or was it something that someone else had and you just kind of tagged along and kind of made it your own? Like, tell me a little bit about that calling and you doing that ministry. Um, so my sister had passed away from a heroin overdose years ago. And so I met some other families who went through something. And so there was um, a mom who had lost her daughter, you know, so she was raising her granddaughters and she couldn't provide Christmas one year. And some of my colleagues at work were like, hey, we want to sponsor a family, but we don't know anyone in need. And I'm like, I do. And so I just started connecting people who wanted to help out with people who were in need. So now we just have so many supporters that we just find the families. They just show up and the, the supporters show up. Yeah, we did do our first fundraiser or she had not ours, yours. It's her thing. But <laughs> our first fundraiser uh, this year to because we knew we had a couple families and we wanted to get prepared to make sure we could provide. So and it went well. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. That's great. So, Carson, you said junior like junior year, you kind of felt that call to ministry. So kind of tell me a little bit about that and kind of what got you interested in kind of doing the whole church planning thing. Yeah, that's um. so I. I don't know if my original um, feeling about church planting, it was, I just felt that there was a disconnect between, um, well, I I didn't want to invite my friends to church. And it seemed like people liked being around Jesus. And so it was like, it's like, why don't I want to invite people to church? um, But people are supposed to be attracted to Jesus. Like, so there's something not lining up between the church and what it seems like I'm reading about Jesus in the Bible, you know, cause I was given my Bible when I got, I got saved, you know, in uh, Detroit, Michigan in 
uh, when I was 13 years old, right after Columbine, right after mm. Columbine, it's like three days after Columbine. And, um, and I was given a Bible and I just, I just read it every night, you know, even when I was in, I wasn't even being Christian like during the week, but it's like, I was going to read my Bible every night just to, you know, check my boxes, you know, and you just read it enough and things didn't line up. And, um, so we got a pastor, uh, that for the first time made me, um, made me pay attention, like caught me, you know, mm. and, and hooked me. And I realized that there was, there was more to just, uh, than youth group or just showing up. It was like, there's something really here. And he gave me Rick Warren's book. Um, it's just, uh, Barney fault, uh, Barney faults, uh, was the, uh, was the pastor, uh, Byron. And, um, he gave the book to me, uh, purpose driven church. Mm-hmm. And I told him from that moment, I said, you wrecked me for any pastor that will ever, I was like, cause I'm not okay with the way it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that was how that worked out. And then church planting happened. My, uh, my ex-father-in-law and, and his wife at the time were planting a church and uh, I had their uh, their granddaughter, you know, with me and they wanted her closer. <laughs> so they hired me, you know, as the as the preaching pastor and it was baptism by fire, man. It was just it was like, here's the pulpit. You're preaching every week. Uh, I had preached five times, you know, before that. And uh, it was just one of those things that is like you either figure it out or you don't. And uh, that's how that church plant took off. Good. And then, so how many churches have you uh, planted at your time before you end up where you were at now? That was the first one. Um, we had tried to, uh, when I, I, I don't know, if, is Esther still the uh, director? She's the general She's the director yeah. of Ohio mm-hmm. or state pastor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she had visited me at Ellet when I was there and um, she was like, you kind of got to plant a church within this church uh, for it to survive. And uh, so that was my first attempt at it. Uh, but then once I went to Great Lakes out there in in uh, in Amherst, that's where I got my church planting kind of baptism, I guess. Mm. OK, awesome. So. Um, yeah. So how did so I mean, you talked about being married to your first wife and now you're divorced. So how did you and Ashley meet? Christian Mingle. Wow. You are loved one at Christian Mingle, too. I don't know. Do you get ads? Do you do ads? So, so Carson, <laughs> I'm going to have to tell you this. If you, I think if you go through the archives, if you actually go to vscott7.com and you go probably all the way to the very bottom. Yeah. I'm making fun of Christian Mingle. <laughs> and because of the commercials, but then there was also a part of me, because I had a uh, a woman that was at my church who met her husband through Plenty of Fish. And I'm okay. like, oh, okay. And then I said, and I said, and we were just talking. She goes, yeah, I was on Christian Mingle first. And I just felt like every guy I dated definitely wasn't a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay. So then I actually made fun of him. And then I actually got someone commented on it. It was actually a representative from Christian Mingle saying, oh, no, you know, we were a good site. Like, I think it's good <laughs> that we have like a special site for <laughs> Christians to find each other and was right. like very like did not appear appreciated my um yeah. my comments about them. <laughs> so go ahead, tell us about ChristianMingle.com. Be the be the uh, people. Yeah, the no, commercial. it was funny because she didn't have a paid version for it. Um, but so like we couldn't. How was that? How'd that work? You explain it. You were on it longer than I was. Yeah, that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> um, no, I didn't have a paid version, but I would, you know. 10 o'clock at night, I would scroll and whatever. And then I seen his face. I'm like, that's my friend's pastor. This is really weird. 
So I text my friend, like, why is your pastor on here and stuff? And he didn't answer me back quickly. So I found him on Facebook and it was like, hey, like, why are you on Christian Mingle? And we started talking after that. <laughs> why are you on Christian Mingle? You creepy pastor, you? Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> they didn't, Scott, I'm sorry. Didn't you, um, one of your stories gone wild, you had shared a TikTok video with me. Like, this is several months ago, but there was a guy who was a super cringy pastor. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys do TikTok or on TikTok or anything like that. Oh, I, yeah, a little bit. So there's this guy. I don't even know what church it was at. I don't know where he's at, but he was like, I don't know, maybe in his late twenties, early thirties. But he was he was saying the most cringiest things. And not only that, he had a profile on Tinder as a sermon illustration, and he's swiping people up on stage, and he's yeah. reading their like profile. And I'm like, he's got oh, his phone up, oh, and he's going, oh, 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 gross, gross, gross. Wow. <laughs> but he also don't do that, that, Carson. No pastor who's listening to this should do that. That's no, no, <laughs> no. Was it? But but he was using it as a sermon illustration. But he was married, like he He's was talking about too, so that was even like weird too. Online dating and and this, you know, and it's like, bro, you need to, yeah, yeah, that's tough. But yeah, I knew he was married, so I'm like, this something happened, and I'm so nosy. I have yeah. to find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it was so your nosiness that brought you together. Yeah, yeah, we live five yeah. minutes from each other. Like it worked yeah. out. Wonderful. So that's that's great. And ChristianMingle.com, if you happen to listen to this podcast, <laughs> this, reach for Carson and Ashley Collins. They could be your representatives, like those eHarmony. <laughs> we're Twitter looking shows. for we're looking for. Sponsors. Wait till you watch the rest of the episode first. <laughs> <laughs> Pause right here and just hire them for a commercial. Give them extra money. <laughs> Don't listen to the rest of this episode. oh goodness so um so you guys so you meet on christianmingle.com uh how long have you how long were you dating before you finally got married after that encounter hey a year okay that's not that's not not bad i mean that's i say that's typical yeah i mean i i I say that typical because a lot of people who have had their first marriages Right. And then they get their second marriages. They're not doing a very long courtship. It's not like like Laura and I, when we started dating, we dated for three years, was engaged for a year and a half, and then finally got married. Um, I don't know if that was kind of your experience with uh, your first wife, Carson, but it just seemed like it was a lot longer than most people when they do their second or or third marriages very quickly like almost like a year maybe even less but no longer than a year mostly yeah the church kind of pushes that oh especially oh wow so that was kind of thing it's how else you you know i mean what did paul say it's you know uh better to um to marry than uh than burn with lust or something like that um (laughs) you know so uh so it's kind of that that old school <laughs> traditional values. Yeah, I'm a little more Methodist than I uh, than I am Church of God anymore. But uh, yeah, with some of those old school traditional, like you gotta, I don't know, it's it's, it's not a clean, it's not easy dating as a pastor. It's not, mm-hmm. or as a parent, or as a, or as a parent. Yeah, um, it it brings up it brings along because especially once you get married, you know, I don't. I don't know when you want to get into some of this stuff, but it's like, once you get married, it's like, there's no honeymoon period. When you got, you got kids and, and a church and a, you know, there's, it's like you're full on family immediately and right in the thick of all of it. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's an interesting insight that I never 
even thought of, but I mean, you are, and, there, and I think it says something about just kind of that old traditional view. Cause I mean, I mean, cause if I'm thinking like, if I'm in your, if I was in a situation where something, Laura and I got divorced and I'm, I mean, at, especially now this day and age, where am I going to find somebody? Cause either it's going to be at the church I'm pastoring at, which ChristianMingle.com. Well, ChristianMingle.com. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or it would, or it would, it'd be either the churches that I'm a part of, which is, you know, if I'm starting to date someone, then it's going to be everybody's business. And then you're just right. kind of like feeling awkward, like, okay, <laughs> yeah. then you almost feel like you have to leave the church or or they're going to have to leave the church and get date. So there's some type of privacy in some ways. And then, or it's online. And then, you know, you do have the situation where maybe there's someone at the church or pastor going, why is Pastor Scott on Tinder? Why is Pastor Scott on Christian Mingle oh, I... or, 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 or farmers only? <laughs> I had someone, uh, I had a pastor call me, uh, I think it was Ed Beck. Was it Ed oh. Beck? Yeah, call me uh, from, uh, I was in, because my divorce wasn't final. Um, but mm. my wife had moved on and uh, and I was talking to Ashley. And then some one of my old youth group, somebody I used to be the youth pastor for, was on Christian Mingle also. And instead of going, hey, Carson, why are you on Christian Mingle? They went, hey, pastor, Carson's on Christian Mingle. Oh, (laughs) so, uh, so, yeah, there's, you know, like I said, we maybe didn't do everything the exact way it should have been done. Um, And and we definitely we paid for it. (laughs) I mean, we definitely paid for it. And I, but I also, and this is my opinion, but I just feel like stuff like that, like, it's almost like you have to kind of be very gracious and understanding of people's situations. I mean, if your wife has already moved on and nothing's finalized, I don't see anything wrong with you trying to date again or trying to do something. It's not like, I mean, if she's already going off and doing whatever, I mean, why can't you? What, because you have a rev in front of your name like that's yeah. to me i think that's that's a little weird but again you know scott Simon podcast i'm always trying to break the mold and get myself in trouble all the time with the church well, <laughs> well i would bring her around there's a couple times i brought her around before the divorce was final and people were just kind of like at even at our church was just, which for the church of god was a pretty liberal church um you know mm-hmm. and, and they're just like you can't you can't bring her around which actually then pushes the relationship into a secret yeah which in some ways that's kind of well yeah you play to each other you know so yeah like... yeah it's so, like now it's romeo and juliet and, yeah. and your family's <laughs> right. the church absolutely so when don't I, drink when, the poison man <laughs> when i was when i was pastoring that same church that i mentioned in my stories gone wild segment in mm-hmm. north carolina um the south is a completely different ball game as far as certain things drinking right People people don't talk about drinking, and my wife will tell you this. She lived most of her life in the South. I was born in the South. You don't talk about drinking, but it's not uncommon for you to go to somebody's house for dinner on Sunday and there be wine on the table, right? Mm. That's one. The other, um, you guys talked about when you got married, engagements and such. So my wife and I met in October, started dating in December, were engaged in March, and married the following October. And we've been together for eight years. But... Yeah. We were 28 and we knew we were like, right. we've been through college. We've been through high school. We've been through relationships. We knew that we wanted to be with each other. We knew we wanted to get married. So we did. Right. So when we moved to North Carolina, we were engaged and it's like a very much a, like a, 
bewitched like mrs kravitz kind of like what are they doing yeah you're holding hands i'm like we're almost 30 years old <laughs> right. like we're, we're getting married right. in a month right and so like hand. you know we uh <laughs> when we first when we first moved there like housing was really hard to find and so we we ended up um renting an apartment during our time there but it was like six to eight weeks before we could get into our place so like there was a lady who had a townhouse a three-bedroom condo in the first couple of nights, I slept on the floor of the church, and the lady was like, "That where Alicia was staying with the one who had the three bedroom condo was like, this is ridiculous. You can stay at my house until your apartment's ready." So like we're yeah. sleeping in separate rooms. We're you know, you know, we shared a bathroom because there's a bathroom between the rooms. But like people in the church were talking, they're like, "What's wrong with them? Why are they in the same place? They're not even married." And it's like this lady goes to the church. She can vouch for us, <laughs> but people in the South just love to talk. So yeah. Oh, um, yeah, they do. it's very traditional in that respect, as far as yeah. like, well, did you see what so-and-so is doing? Did you see what Scott and Laura did the other day? Did, like, I, it's yeah. it's not uncommon for people to just um, to say those kind of things. So I think it's kind of funny that you shared that as, as far as like, you brought, you brought your, uh, you brought her into the church. What? Your divorce yeah. isn't finalized. What? Like, Ugh. You not cast the first stone, right, friends? That's it. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we talked a little bit about kind of how the church and other pastors are kind of getting in your business. And that kind of caused you guys to say, okay, well, let's get married quickly because, you know, I, A, you probably love each other. So that let's get married quickly. But B, there's a little bit of that pressure, too. So um, what were kind of the things that kind of also led to some of the fracturing of your marriage? And then what were some of the steps you take to kind of reconcile your marriage as well? Let me tell um, the, the fraction, the fracturing. Hmm. And, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, cause you could always talk about the one thing that kind of really, but I'm sure there's probably certain things that just these slow little, like almost like water to torture, there was the slow little drops that finally yeah. ended up, or the rubber band going around the watermelon right. before the watermelon finally. A lot of it top. was. So we had, like I said, no honeymoon, right? So there was there was no honeymoon. So it was like diving right into it. And I've I've talked, you know, before in, in some sermons or whatnot, just about kind of our initial kind of getting used to each other living this with somebody you know where you're going from living on your own to to sharing kids and sharing a house like we, right i've lived on my own for seven years before that yeah yeah and and i was now working from home and she was working you know away and it was like it was a lot of un unspoken expectations that that we could that no one was meeting Mm -hmm. I think is the, the most concise way to say it. <laughs> it's like I expected certain things. She expected certain things, uh, but we weren't telling each other. Mm. And so so that was like right off the rip. There was a lot of friction, mm. like from the get go. Um, I mean, yeah. So and then on top of that, my um, my closest friend at the time was not my wife. Uh, and was not a guy. And so it was someone that was at the church. And um, I just, I put a lot of my, I was, listen, as a, you guys know, as a pastor, people just look up to you. 
Um, and they want to be around you. People say all the nice things. They, they see only the nice things about you. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to, um, to kind of get sucked into the, the positive feelings of other people. Yeah. So I feed into it, you know, cause we weren't, we weren't meeting at home. We weren't doing well. And so it was like, well, where can I get that positive affirmation? And I was taking it anywhere I could get it. And, uh, and so I had a friend that was there at the church. Uh, she was the, uh, she ended up being the associate pastor at one point, but she was there from the beginning of the church plant and, um, you know, shared too many, um, what we call it bricks. Mm-hmm. We call them bricks. Bricks off the wall. Sharing too many bricks off the wall with each other, with, with the wrong people. And, um, and that was just a, a faulty ground build anything on yeah that that cover that sure yeah (laughs) yeah and i think you know and i think that's always the big thing with all marriages and uh, i don't know like and maybe this is something that um I, I think back to my first pre, my premarital counseling with Lauren. We did it with William Wimmer at Talmadge when he was the pastor there at Talmadge, which I have a story about that. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> um, but I mean, I think we talked a little bit. I mean, we talked about finances. We talked about uh, sex. We talked about, you know, the idea of balance as far as like, you know, going, you know, making sure we are balanced as far as like, if we go to my parents' house for Thanksgiving, let's go to her parents' house or for Christmas and all this stuff. But I feel like the, and, and then just power struggles, you know, like gender roles or whatever, you know, weird stuff that's brought up in the church in that aspect. But communication yeah, and just being able to say, hey, I feel like that my certain needs are not being met. Yep. And it wasn't until after Laura and I got married and we were um, living in London, Ohio, and we were attending church at uh, Maiden Lane Church of God. And uh, Joe Engels there, who's a therapist, he was leading couples in a marriage in a marriage thing. And it was like his needs, her needs by William Harley. Oh and he talked about meeting each other's needs. And that was the first time I think Laura and I, when we saw that, I mean, we ate that up. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. So it's like we're doing these inventories, like, here are my top five needs. Here are your top five needs. And we kind of talked about it. And and I, even now, like, we'll occasionally go back to it. And we've been married for 16 years this August. And the idea of, you know, as we have kids, as we have careers, as we, you know, as we get older, you know, sometimes certain needs that were like my top three in my 20s are not my top three now in my 40s. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. just, and it's always good to kind of, get into the habit of talking and communication. So I can really see how a meeting, getting to know each other with a year, feeling that pressure from other people. And then you get married and then it's like, well, we love each other. We're married, but we're not really communicating with each other. And we're not really feeling Mm -hmm. like our needs are being met. So uh, Ashley, as all this stuff is kind of going on, like what was kind of your reaction to your side of everything? My side of what? Your side of just, you know, dealing with just the miscommunication. Like, how did you feel that, you know, your needs weren't being met? And like, kind of, I guess, what was kind of your way? Like, I guess, what were your ways of coping? You know, Carson, putting bricks in the wrong place. Like, 
were you doing the same thing or was your whole thing different of how you kind of I just worked more because that's where I felt validated, right? So I felt important. I felt like I was doing the right things. So I worked a lot, which then shuts down more quality time, you know, over and over again. You know, and then also you put on feeling unrealistic expectations from him and the church on this pastor's wife thing, which is a whole nother little crap. Uh, and so that is the added pressures of that, you know, I'm not going to live up to that, but Hey, I'm going to be a great accountant and a great team member. And, you know, I'll get my validation from there. Mike and what? I have talked about doing an episode on pastor's wives because I know it is, it, 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 and you know, there's churches that are different and, you know, and I think either way, whether uh, the expectation it is different in different places. And uh, when they did bring him out in the Methodist church, I jokingly told the pastors, hey, just so you know, you're hiring him, you're hiring me. This isn't a two for one special. <laughs> uh, yeah. And believe me, that was the big thing, too. And a lot of times, like when I would interview for pay, especially in the Church of God, like even after I left being in Virginia for seven years, they always wanted to interview my wife. <laughs> and a couple of times I'm just saying, well, you know, she works at a school. She's getting her. She's going to school, too, to get her teaching thing. You know, and I would, you know, and in some ways I'm being honest, but other ways it's like, why do you need to talk to her? You're hiring me. But right. there is that thing where, you know, the pastor's wife is kind of either the linchpin of a pastor getting a job, which I feel like it's not about, you could be the most skilled person in the world, but if you have a wife that, you know, is not going to be at every women's ministry event or not going to be the secretary or the piano player, then right. it's like, Oh, well, sorry, we're not going to hire you. We'll hire this guy who only, pre only preaches out of Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But his wife but like cooks and, sews buttons and can reupholster all the pews. So we're going <laughs> to hire her. And it's like, well, really you're just hiring the wife. Why don't you just give her the paycheck and just let that guy, you know, Continue yeah. to read the book of math. But for a small struggling church, you know, it makes sense. You know, he's like, I need a two for one. They don't pay enough. You know, <laughs> I still got to go to work. So, but we're just like, <laughs> not interested, but I get why they do it, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I do. I do too. But I, I think well, it's one of those old mentalities that, again, just needs to change. Cause how many, cause I think even when smaller churches, the expectation, like, I don't think, I mean, even if, the roles were reversed and I was, you know, Laura was a man, I was a woman and, and I was in that role. I don't even know if I could even live up to all the expectations of every single person within that church. And then on top of that, the expectations of my husband, mm -hmm. who's the mm -hmm. pastor. Well, yeah. I was, I was going to say too, that like, you know, my, you guys don't know my story, Scott does, but like in the last year I've, I've stepped back from full-time ministry kind of in a season of sabbatical and a season of healing and a season of uh, not knowing where we're going to end up next. And I'm okay with that because we both have full-time jobs elsewhere. And my, my job isn't dependent on the church and that's a whole separate conversation, but in respect to what you guys are saying about relationships and spouses of pastors, um, one of the things that my wife and I have really prayed about and discussed and, and, and shared with each other over the last, you know, six to eight months has been, don't expect me to serve. This is my wife speaking. Mm -hmm. Don't expect me to serve and don't expect me to do this, this, and this. If you decide to get back into ministry and I'm okay with that. And she's okay it's with that. But, but it it's hard because we both have servants hearts and that's what we want to do. But I think the, the, the problem that we have is that it's, it's like Scott saying, 
not even just a church of God thing. I think it's, it's a, it's an older church mindset, regardless of the denomination. I said denomination, Scott, are you proud of me? Um, <laughs> denomination, <laughs> Like church, church of God movement, comma, denomination, yeah. comma, whatever you want to call it, period. Um, Storage the... USA. <laughs> <laughs> when we're done recording, have Scott tell you that story. Oh, um, <laughs> the, um, you know, the idea of, you know, the last church I served at, it was like, you know, it was primarily older. However, they're like, why don't you want to hang out with us? Like it was that church. I think there's a difference in community and being a part of life groups and being a part of the culture of the church and being a part of the church and being the church body and just living and breathing the church because that's all you have. Right. Mm -hmm. I think the church that we were at had a very hard time understanding that we both were working professionals. I'm in graduate school working on a master's program. My wife has a really high pressure job where she works and she makes like triple the money that I do. And I'm okay with that, but like it comes with a lot of responsibility. She just wants to go to church. Right. (laughs) Like, like early in our marriage, it was like, okay, she can sing harmony and she she'll sing with me once in a while. She loves to run slides. She gets some of the media stuff and the live streaming stuff and she's great at it, but she doesn't want to be glued to that chair every single week. She just wants to go and be my wife and not, mm-hmm. you know, and worship the creator that created her and brought her into this universe, not be a slave to, Oh, you're married to him. So therefore, like you said earlier, a two for one special, like, yeah. <laughs> It's it's very um we could probably do a whole podcast on that. And Scott and yeah. I've talked about doing Pastor's mm-hmm. Life podcasts, but like it's you know I've talked about writing a book about um two different books. One's you know more focused on being a pastor's kid and growing up in a pastor's home. And I wanted to call it the unrealistic expectation because you kind of shared a, that phrase a little bit earlier. But like there are it not just in being a pastor's kid, it's in being a pastor and being a pastor's wife and um, being a kid of a pastor, it, 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 there's all these expectations that you're never going to be able to obtain. And then, by the way, like you said, people look up to you, but you can't screw up, right? You can't, you can't make mistakes, right? Like we preach grace and forgiveness at people every single week, right? But we don't get it reciprocated to us. It's, it's such a hard balance. I'm sorry, I'm preaching at this point. To the choir, I mean, I feel you. <laughs> but like, I just I just ended up in a place of complete and total shutdown and burnout, and I just couldn't do it. I just got to a point last year where I was like, you know what? I need a break, and my wife needs a break, and we need to just step back. And it, it's hard because I, I'm getting to the point where I'm getting kind of, you know, I'm, I'm fixing and I'm itching to, you know, lead worship again. But like, yeah. it's... You know, I'm not going to lose my gifting, but it's like I landed in therapy too, right? Like, so it was one of those things where my therapist is like, it's going to be fine. You're going to know and you're going to feel mm-hmm. it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, all I have to say, you know, I, I'm totally with you. Like there's <laughs> our wives do not get enough credit for, for putting up with us, let alone the, the baggage that goes along with the church. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And it, you talk about you talk about grace micah and it just makes me think because like really i think the only thing that i knew about your situation you and you and uh ashley's situation was i think you, you had a blog or maybe i, I may be remiss, <laughs> you had something and you mentioned yeah. something about it and i think i had a conversation with you it's probably like the last conversation i had with you when i was still in ohio before i went to uh virginia 
And there was a conversation that you were going to be meeting with the credentialing committee to talk about your credentials after the fallout. I don't yeah. know if you really want to talk about that, but well, I mean, it, it does make sense if you don't. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so what was going on? It was, we, um, I went on sabbatical in 2016, right after the Cavs championship. Oh, and what a great, what a great, yeah, yeah great year, good. 2016. Good year. <laughs> um, and, uh, so I, I got back from sabbatical. I actually didn't even get a sabbatical as much. I ruptured my ACL, uh, right before it. And so I had all these plans of going to, you know, Berlin center campground and, you know, these places to refresh and, you know, learn. And, um, and I sat on my couch and watched game of Thrones. So, <laughs> Um, sabbatical. You know, or if you have to block that out or not, you know. But no, you're so, good. <laughs> I watch Game of Thrones too. Hey, listen. Uh, if you don't believe that that stuff didn't happen in biblical times, you're reading the wrong Bible. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You just to spend a little time in Jeremiah, Isaiah. You'll be all right. Um, First and Second Kings. Saw <laughs> right. uh, concubines. So, uh, so I got back from sabbatical the week I got back, I was told by, we were renting a facility at the time we were, so we're, we were five years into a church plant or no, we were, we were eight years into a church mm-hmm. plant and we had been in our, our own space without setting up and tearing down. So if you haven't done church planting, set up, tear down, it's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's a huge thing, but it's also a lot of work. Um, and we we're in the school building and they said, Hey, we're going to knock that building over. And you guys got to go. So, um, so I, I spent the next nine months uh, finding buildings, um, fundraising, vision casting, because we were going from, you know, it's kind of uppity town Amherst. I was going, I was taking them into the little bit of the inner city, you know, like this is who we're about, you know, and, and that's like, was all of my, all of my time. Um, I was, I was, I had to draw blueprints. I had to learn how to be an architect. I had to learn what fire codes were. I had, you know, all this stuff I'll learn from YouTube. And I mean, every moment of my life was about getting this church into its first building. And, um, it was going great. Um, I mean, all things considered, I mean, we were on budget, we were way under budget for what it should have cost. I mean, we were, you know, passing codes, we were building it ourselves and, and, you know, passing fire codes and all that stuff. And, um, I was, I was whooped. Um, I was completely whooped and home was not a, was not a resting place for me. Um, and so I got invited out and, uh, I had way too many, way too many beverages. And on the way home, I got a ride from my friend, uh, from the church. And I just made a comment that, uh, I shouldn't have made and I wouldn't have made if I wasn't drinking, and, you know, so there's a lot of guardrails crossed there. It's like, you shouldn't be, I shouldn't have been driving or riding in a car with, you know, by myself alone with another woman. Like we have kind of these, these parameters set up, especially if you've been drinking and yeah, um, that led to some conversations that didn't need to happen. And uh, ultimately to a full blown affair. Mm-hmm. And it lasted for about six, six weeks secretly. And uh, then the church found out about it. And uh, well, Ashley and uh, the other uh, person's husband found out about it. And uh, we told the church and I resigned. And the affair lasted for another six weeks or so on and off here, whatever, kind of weird. And 
I mean, for another six months after that, it was kind of just weird with some of that. There was some connecting, not connecting. Yeah, it, it, we, me and Ashley weren't getting better at that point yet. Um, we were nicer, I, to, each we were nicer to each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I got into the union. I just needed to make some money. And I went from pastoring from home to working 12 hours a day, seven days a week at night. You know, and so it was a huge culture shock for our whole family. And uh, and that's where I think I started talking to you probably about I was going to start meeting with um, the credentialing board. Yeah. And and so what so tell me a little bit about. uh, Well, before we begin there, like Ashley, again, you could just not even answer this Um, as all this stuff is going on with the affair, like and you find out about it, like, what is, what is the, your reaction to all of this going around? My first reaction was not awesome. So yeah, absolutely. Hours. Yeah. Like the full flip out mode, maybe I'd call it for a couple of hours. You want to tell me what you did? Yes. Thanks. No, I was <laughs> going to. So um, when the, the woman's husband called me with all these concerns, you know, eventually something stuck that was like, there's something there and so i found an eye watch with some messages on it that were very very unfortunate and they were having a board meeting across the street at a restaurant so i walked over mm. board meeting and threw the watch at him and that's how he knew i knew and i left and then he came home and i told him you know you don't live here anymore like what are you doing mm. then you know i come down and stuff and i asked him to come home so we could talk so we talked and Hey, you just, it was just after that, it had to be a constant state of prayer. I know what to do next, you know? And so it was none of, none of it was typical stuff I ever thought I would do, mm. but, um, you know, just see a whole broken situation and a broken person um, that you don't want to see hurt anymore. So the best way was just to try to figure out <clears throat> how to love someone. The best you, so like, it's not uncommon, like in, in the, this, the secular world for that kind of stuff to happen but do you think it was just your busyness and your involvement in the church that kind of led to that? If you, if you feel like answering that, if not, like, do you like, I know that pastors get so burnt out and they just, everything is, they live such an unhealthy life mm-hmm. that it can lead to poor decisions, drinking, drugs, porn, uh, affairs, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, and if not, like, I'm just, I'm just trying to, you know, like what led to that ultimately, then yeah go ahead yeah go ahead sorry i think when everyone any relationship is broken the way ours was when there's this not affirmation or this feeling of being like loved or respected that eventually not saying 100 percent, you know there's guardrails there's accountability but eventually there's going to be someone that's going to make you feel a certain way Mm -hmm. pastor or not Mm -hmm. so i I think the the relationship itself the church was a huge stressor of course but yeah. Without being like love and respected, you have relationships set up for one partner or another to enter in an affair. Like we did a Scott and I did a a, a series on this show about the Hillsong documentary. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch that, but like yeah, some of it, yeah, some of that stuff I just sobbed. Like because some of that stuff I've I've not personally like done myself, but I've witnessed or been on staffs where things like that have happened. And I'm like, man, 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 where did how did you get to this point? especially in a situation like that, a bigger church mm-hmm. where you're constantly surrounded by staff. And well, I guess the answer is simple, right? Like you, the bigger the church, the, the more the fleas, I guess is what they say. But like, you know, 
it's it's easier to hide in a bigger situation like that. Um, hide your demons, hide your your sin, hide your you know X Y Z. So Scott mentioned the the credentialing. Um, did you meet with with the credentialing folks, and then what happened post this knowledge being, I guess, exposed? Yeah. Um, so I had called Esther immediately when I um, when at well the next day. So not yeah, immediately, the next day. but the next day. <laughs> Cause it was like middle, it was late. It was like eight o'clock when you found out yeah. when, when you, I mean, when, sure. when you stormed the Capitol there. Uh, <laughs> <not right>. um, <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> I don't even know why I said that. Um, but so the next day I called Esther and I said, Hey, here's what happened. That's getting bleeped. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to. I had nothing to do with them. But... Yeah. That's kind of, yeah, you can't do that anymore. If, if the FBR starts raiding you, Carson, you know why. <laughs> um, uh, so I called Esther and she was obviously upset and she took over from there as far as leading the board. And, um, and I met with the board to tell them at when Esther joined um, and I met with the board and I told them, and I mean, I don't think I've sobbed that hard um, since, I mean, I, I, I try to explain to people, it's like a church plant and, and it's something I think within the Methodist church, which is a little different because you're getting moved around all the time. But like with a church plant, I really felt like, I felt like a parent who was having their children taken from them. Mm. Whereas like, this is mine. Like this is, this is my every, like I was, I was, I started this, like I created this thing and, and now I'm not even allowed to have contact with it. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not allowed to like, like I just have to watch from a distance, the, the pain and the struggle of a floundering child. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing is really how I felt about it. And I mean, I wept. Um, even though I knew it was like, I wasn't right for it at that time. You know, I knew I was completely devastated and I was completely messed up. Um, but, um, but then, so that was the first meeting with Esther. And then I ended up meeting with the actual credentialing board for Northeast Ohio, um, down the road when things had settled down and it was like nine months later, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was the next, no, it was a little bit sooner than that timeline was it would have been six months because it was yeah, next spring it was that right spring now. um so it was that spring and there was one guy there that um you know they i mean they gave it to me you know what i mean like the first yeah. the first meeting they you know they they laid it on and uh and i remember telling them like man my biggest fear is that i was like that there's just gonna be people in hell because of me i was like that's mm. like that's my biggest fear you know, and, and the one guy in the back goes, yeah, that, that should be a fear of yours, you know? And I was like, okay, well, thanks. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so we went we prayed and I would just tell him, I was like, I was like, man, I just want to pray to not have feelings for this person. You know, like I just, and they and they couldn't, they just couldn't wrap their head around that. Like where I could just decide that I wouldn't anymore. I was like, I was like, I'm not seeing this person. I want to, I want to be in love with my wife. Um, but I have feelings for this person that, man, I just, just keep praying. And it was, it was something that just didn't click with them that that was mm. and it, we had the same issue with our counselor. Oh yeah. We had one counselor that was like, well, just do this. And it'll just, all... yeah. And they and were it, like, do you still love this other person? I was like, they would ask him in front like, of me about his feelings for this person that we were trying to move past from. Yeah. Like, like, do you want me to lie? Like, what are we like? Yeah. That's to... weird. That's not yeah, the point so, of it. I mean, as a counselor, I can kind of maybe understand that but maybe I the first time <laughs> or at least maybe that's a conversation you probably should have between 
one-on-one. Individually and not with the person you're trying to reconcile with. Yeah. Right. Well, like, he refused to move on until yeah. until I said no. Mm. You know, so it's like, so any, so we, so I go, I meet with this, with the BPCR board again, a month or two months later. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same guy, you know, brings up the same thing that I had expressed as my fear. You know, he's like, he's like, there's people in hell because of you. And I was, I was like, well, I was like, I get it. I get what you're saying. Like, but no one's died yet. I was like, like, like no one that, you know what I mean? Like in hell, yeah. like, like this is a, this is pretty, this is a tough line to take. And, uh, and it yeah. got, a, got a little hot, not too hot yet, but like I was, you could see I was uncomfortable and I was like, I'm not. So another two months goes by and I go back to one more, I got to go back to another meeting with them. And he says it again. And this is six months now since our first meeting, you know, two, four, six, right. It was like, or I guess four months. So it was like four months. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not sitting through this. I'm not, I'm not taking, and I looked at the rest of the board and I said, are you guys, is this, are we doing this? Like, are you guys okay with this? Um, And I just, I can't, I like, I can't sit through this. This is not okay. I'm past this. Like, I've moved. I, there's no condemnation, right? For those who are in Christ. And it's like, you, I keep showing up here and there's just all this condemnation and from this one guy. And, and I even told him later on, like when I left, I told him, listen, I'm going to not, I'm not going to be in the church of God anymore. And I told him, I'm actually more upset with the rest of the board members than I am with the one jerk. Like, you know what I mean? Like, cause he is who he is. You know yeah. what I mean? It's the rest of the board that allows these things to happen. And, and, and like I talked about my union meeting yesterday, like yeah. I told the board members, like, Hey, this isn't okay. Like, I know that guy's a jerk, but y'all let it happen. Right. So Mm -hmm. who's, we all have different roles and responsibilities in some of those things. And I was, I was upset and I was bummed and I moved on. So you you surrendered your credentials then? They were already surrendered. Okay. That's what I was wondering. I was wondering how that kind of went down. So they were suspended. So they were suspended. And then I guess these existential meetings were what to like, hopefully get them back. Like I started the process and I said, I said, Listen, I, I know I'm called to ministry and I, I know I screwed up and I have no idea how long it's going to take for me to get back into it. But I know that this is the group to walk me through it. Like, I know I need to walk with somebody and they not well, interested. I guess. It, the church, I'm not even saying church of God or UMC and like, are you, are you ordained in the UMC now? I'm, I just went through the, um, some of the the classes uh, down there at the at the West Ohio conference, um, but so I'm 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 so tricky. So, so you're West Ohio, Carson? No, I'm East Ohio, but we had our group together oh, okay. um, down there, well, and and we went through. So I'm allowed to I'm allowed to do. It's so weird, different from the Church of God. It's so like now I'm allowed to do baptisms and I'm allowed to do um, communion. communion See, I'm not allowed to do communion, even though I'm a reverend. I'm not UMC reverend, so I can't do that. Yeah. I can stand they, there for they baptism. They don't recognize my, um, but I can't do it. <laughs> they don't recognize my my ordination from the um, Universal Life Church <laughs> that I needed to do weddings, so <laughs> they don't appreciate that one. Well, I was oh, I was gonna I was gonna say that like the church period not umc not cog not presbyterian whoever i think we we do a terrible job with leadership in respect to grace and Mm -hmm. what happens when a pastor falls 
due to drugs or an affair or you, you name the sin, right? Um, what about David? Right. And then you guys probably, you probably relate to that probably more than anything, but like, yeah. um, you know, David sent his best friend to die because he wanted to have an affair. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't get much worse than that. Right. No. And so, um, you know, I think of, of just leadership and it's like, man, in your darkest hour, that group of folks should have surrounded you and just prayed for you and, and weep with you. And, you know, yeah. I, I can't even begin to walk in your shoes and I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I'm glad that things have worked out for the better. And I, I celebrate that. Um, I, I had a rough ordination experience. Scott had a crazy ordination experience. Like, it should not be this hard. And I'm a leadership focus coach now for, for church Guide ministries. And, mm. you know, I talked to, to Trey Oldham, who's been on our show um, a number of times. I talked to him like probably once a week. He used to work for church Guide ministries as a lead pastor. He wasn't Anderson. Now he's in Louisiana. And, you know, it's, it should not be this hard to ordain people that are called to ministry. And then what happens if we screw up? Like how c- c- can, you know, why can't we do a better job of walking alongside people and, and extending grace and uh, walking them through with, with what you just said about, you know, healing and restoration and walking beside folks. And um, I think that's why you just see so many people plant churches that are non-denominational or that's one of the reasons, or, you know, they go through different, you know, processes of being ordained and, and just surrendering their credentials to, to, to a, a non, you know, I don't know, UMC or a church of God or like the, not the normal, right? Like yeah. going online and, you know, get, getting a, an ordination certificate so they can, you know, perform marriages or whatever. Um, but it's, it's a shame. And I mean, Scott, you and I could do an episode on that, but like, it's just yeah. what, why, why don't we do a better job of like the four of us having a conversation right now is probably a lot of healing for, for four of us who's been through some traumatic stuff in ministry over the last decade plus and it's yeah and and the thing that and i think the thing like you know carson i i get the whole church planning thing this is this is my baby i built this thing i've worked i slaved i lost you know i think even from the you as an individual i have spent so much time and effort and angst and cried and done all this thing to get this thing to where it is even forsake my family for this thing. Mm. And now I can't see it. It's almost, it's almost like, I want to know that's if that's how Moses felt you lead Israel, deal with all the crap mm-hmm. that the Israelites had to do. Finally, you smack the rock with the stick out of yeah. anger and frustration. And then you're like, okay, you can't enter the promised land now. So you're just going to have to watch everyone else go. And you just got to sit there on the mountain and watch and see what happens yeah. and hope for the best. Like that, I think in some ways that's hard. The thing that I think is probably the most heinous out of all that is the fact that in your vulnerability, you mentioned your fear. And in those two meetings, that fear was not, was used as a weapon. Yeah. To continue to dig and, and, you know, shame on the jerk, you know, I guess we'll call him the jerk. So I guess if you ever <laughs> listen to this podcast, you're the jerk. You know yeah. who you are. But, <laughs> but the like you said, the tragedy is that no one else in that room said, hey, we're not going to tolerate that. Right. We are Christians. If we say we are Christians, if we say we are church leaders, we should always be 
showing love, showing grace, showing mercy, showing discipline and justice too, because obviously something did happen and there needs to be some type of boundaries. There needs to be some type of consequences, some type of boundaries, but also a plan for restoration to happen if that is the route that you wanted to go. But the fact that even in those first meetings, you're probably thinking, man, you know, I feel called to ministry. I want to be restored within the church of God because that's all I've known. I grew up church yeah. of God. I I got ordained church of God. I went to church of God school. This is all I know is church of God. This yep. is my, this is kind of my culture. And it's almost like an Amish community where you just, you're finally to the point where it's like, you know what? If I'm going to get, sh- I'm not going to get shunned and deal with this and deal with the mudslinging. I'm just going to have to walk away from my tribe and go out yeah. in the wilderness. And and that's a shame. And hopefully another tribe picks me up or I'm just going to have to kind of come to the real. And maybe yeah. you've had that thought or maybe you and Ashley had that conversation. You'll come to the realization that I, I'm not going to have a tribe anymore. And I'm just going to kind of be by myself. And oh, what, Ashley, that's you're playing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we lost a lot of friends, honestly. Um we we talk about it a lot. Like it's it's something like I think I'm a big Jordan Peterson fan. Um, but he says something like the I the ideal becomes the judge. Mm. And and so what she did by standing by me while I was not standing by her. Um mm. there are some people that hung out for a while with her and encouraged her for a while, but at some point they said, You you have to move on. And she says, not yet. And it's like, to some degree, and I tell people, I was like, there's no one I've seen ex- ex- live their life more like Christ than I than, than she has. Hmm. And so when you do that, other people go, I could never do what she's doing. And so that ideal becomes a, a judgment on yourself, right? Hmm. And, and so she lost, she lost a lot of friends when she was the one that was doing what was right, you know, and, and, and doing, doing what God had called her to do. Uh, So, so you have to deal with that. And so now it's like, well, now who do I trust? You know, for her, you know, I'm, I'm outgoing. I'm, you know, I trust everybody. (laughs) You're getting the union. You're, you're holding people back from fighting and you're you're good. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, yeah. So talk to me. So, you know, after all this happens, what steps are, were, were you taking after everything went south, everything kind of go, all the dust has settled. What stuff were you both of you taking to kind of reconcile your marriage at that point. And then what steps kind of steps are you taking now that kind of continue to grow and, and build up your marriage? Well, first thing I had done, um, even in the middle of it, all the crazy parts was taking the self inventory. Okay. You know, show me what I've done wrong to, to attribute to the situation. You know, I knew my husband was a bad person. So we didn't just go out and make this bad choice, you know, mm-hmm. that something led to that. And so I did a lot of the, um, you know, how was I being contemptuous? How was I being critical? You know, those type of things and really, really um, looking at that. And the second thing that was important to me to do was to make home peaceful. So whatever was going on, it was going to be peaceful at our house. You know, the kids had no idea. Nothing was anything was going on at this point whatsoever. Like we, it was just extremely peaceful. So whoever was in our house, kids, husband, wife, it's a place of peace and support. And so that's where we started from to move forward to kind of restore our relationship Hmm. yeah yeah she wrote me an apology letter 
while I was in the middle of the affair, while every and everyone knew that I was in the middle of the affair. Um, wow. And uh, that, so, yeah. Just because you did something wrong didn't mean I didn't do anything wrong. Right? Fair mm. enough. I, <laughs> yeah. So that was, um, that always sticks in my head. And uh, I remember where I was exactly when I when I looked at it, when I pulled it out of my pocket to read it. Um, that impacted me a lot. And um, she started working with, she Googled. Like, what did you Google? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> it's so rude for you to make me say this. Um, I, I literally Googled the words, how to save a marriage when the spouse wants out. Mm. Like that exact phrase. And uh, it came up with a company called Marriage Helper. Hmm. And so uh, during the time he was still in, a, in an active affair, um, they led me to just focus on myself, self-improvement, uh, you know, physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. And so I wasn't concerned a little bit, of course, because he's my husband. But instead of being concerned about what he was doing, he I couldn't, was, control. couldn't control it all. It was how do I how do I better my situation? How do I better myself? How do I better my reactions, my spirituality, all those things? Um, so that, you know, then we, um, went to a workshop they put together for couples reconciling after an affair. Yeah. Yeah. We went to that and, um, and I'll tell you, like, I, I tried to do what was asked. Yeah. Right. I mean, but like inside, you know, we talked about kind of suicide, the opening here, like it was like, um, I was working in very high places. Yeah, you know, I, I joined the union. I was working. I I decided I'm just going to work. I'm going to. That's where I find my value. That's where I'm. Gonna, you know, I'm gonna I'm going to go to work, and whatever happens with us, I'm going to make sure I can provide if I need to provide for my kids or or whatever. However it works. Worst case scenario, I'm going to make some money. And I'm working really high up in the air. Um, my heart wouldn't race. You know, like I could stand at the edge of a building and and not feel a thing, you know, and, and contemplate all kinds of dark, hmm. um, dark things. And I mean, we, that lasted for eight how months. Long? Was it eight months mm-hmm. before it was, and, um, I started reading, like I said, I got into Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. I went to counseling. I was going to the, I was working 12 hours a day and then going to the gym. Um, you know, and, and it's like, I just needed to stay busy, stay working. And that's how I was trying to cope with it. And, uh, so I, yeah, I just, I got into some of that self-help stuff and, um, and like I said, Jordan Peterson really helped me with some of those things, but, um, we were trying to try churches we were, you know, we're checking out different churches, trying to stay involved. Right. But what was happening during that time when you're reaching out to me saying, Hey, I feel suicidal. Or we're talking about our fears or hopes and dreams of a church or what a future looks like. Yeah. In the middle of all that, when there's no where we're becoming best friends, we're sharing things with people with each other that we've never done before. Yeah. And vulnerabilities and that's huge. Yeah, we weren't going anywhere with it. I wasn't going anywhere else with my I had no more it's the only place I could share bricks, you know. And mm-hmm. and so it's like you're you're starting to build this relationship basically brand new. And and we came to a point where we said, if well, if we're gonna do this. We're going to have to leave the other stuff in the past. Hmm. It's just, yeah. listen, I can't make up for that. Yeah. There's not, there's nothing I can do that will make that right. Or that will make you, me deserve you or, or, or any of those things, you know? So we have to, if we're going to move on, we have to actually both move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, and that's great. And I mean, it, 
it's, you know, I think we've talked, I mean, we've talked about mental health. Like actually the episode, actually last week's episode, we talked about pastoral PTSD and mm-hmm. how my professor said, you know, someone should write a book on that because it's a real thing. And I, I mean, I believe it. I mean, I believe it because I mean, I bet, I mean, my last pastorship, I was there. I was at the place where I was contemplating, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe everyone would be better if I wasn't, ex- I didn't exist anymore. Life yeah. would be better. At least I would, and maybe not necessarily for my wife or my kids, but mostly I'd be at peace. And that was yeah. really it. I, I can stop hurting internally up here, my heart, everything. I could just be at peace if I just was yeah. gone. And you know, when you, when you get to that moment, it's like you're you're already numb, mm-hmm. completely numb, completely shut off. Um, and it it was, and I think even, and I think that was the hard part too. Like once I left, the hard part for me was the first Sunday I didn't go to church. Mm. That was the hardest because I think the first Sunday we went to King's Dominion, and I'm thinking this is weird. Why am, I should be at church? Why am I at an amusement park? Felt guilty, and then I rode a roller coaster, and that went away like instantly. Yeah, like, no, all that hell, that anxiety, and all that stuff just like <laughs> disappeared when I went down that first hill. But trying to find another church and trying, you know, and I had a, you know, my the bakery I was working at, you know, Amish Mennonite community. Mm, yeah. Hey, why don't you check our church out? Church out and just. Tell us what you think. Okay, I'll show up. I'll tell you what you think. And I mean, it was good. I enjoyed it. And then I went to another church with a mentoring pastor that I would talk to all the times, you know, kind of someone who I was laying my bricks with, uh, with another mentoring pastor who was very good at understanding, listening, and and kind of even told me, you know, you're not crazy. Like, you know, you're not crazy. I think there's something wrong here with this culture that you're in and, and everything you're doing to try to fix it, I think is the right move. I just don't, you know, it just sometimes you have to, move on so it was it was hard it was hard but then i think there was the peace and i think even now just being at a place where i'm not the lead where i'm kind of just supplementing Great, isn't it i mean do i mean well, it's what was it you said the other day scott when we well, recorded last when we recorded the last episode you said something about like man sometimes i go to board meetings sometimes i don't but like <laughs> but like well he doesn't have to but like right right to, he said no, something. I'm spot. I'm the associate. But, but even, but, but even, but even then, like one of my things, but with like you know, talking about you know some of the things that you know, I used to love going to board meetings and talking about exciting new things and what God's going to do. And the you know, I mean, in the course you're shaking your head, like, yeah, I was too. And now I go to board meetings, and most of the time, I just sit there silent. I don't say a word. Oh, I don't do that. But yeah. well, well, of course you can't because you're kind of in the lead position. I, I'm just supplement. And I mean, even or even that, what you're the lead, and now you're the family minister. You're overseeing children and youth, like. Isn't that like a downgrade? I'm like, no. Depends on who you talk to. Depends <laughs> on who you talk to. I don't have to go to like ten meetings a day, a, yeah. in a month. Like I'm, I'm good. Like, yeah, less funerals, <laughs> less weddings. Yeah, you just, yeah, you just felt like you told me. I think you shared with me that you just felt like this sense of relief, and you, you just yeah. felt like you're like you felt valued. That was what it was. You were talking about how your pastor and how the leadership just. Oh yeah, they're, they're just, like like they're they're so glad that he's there because of experience in in, in the Church of God and another denomination. Um, about, you know, his experience elsewhere and what he can bring into the Methodist church. And that's part of the reason they hired him was to bring an outside perspective in to help yeah. them with what, mm-hmm. what they needed to improve upon. And it was just like a breath of fresh air for him yeah. Yeah. and our, fr- and our friend Jordan, our mutual friend Jordan that we record with on another mm-hmm. podcast, you know, he went through a really horrible situation at the church he was at too. And he's in a better place now. And he, he was actually in Ohio a couple of weeks ago and we had lunch and just had a really good time together. And, um, he said, 
um, man, it's just, you know, I have all these PTSD moments and these triggers, but like he's, he's got, he's in a place where his senior pastor supports him and loves him and says, you're doing great. And you're going above and beyond our expectations. And it's like, it's so fulfilling to go into a space like that after such a traumatic experience in ministry, regardless of the situation. Um, and for us, like my wife and I, like it, we, we stepped back from ministry last November, right before the holidays. We didn't go to church for four or five months. Like we watched, we watched online and, um, a little bit of our story. Like I was grad school working full time, working part-time at the church as the creative arts pastor. My wife worked full-time. We found out that we weren't going to be able to have children on our own. My mother died the year before. Like it was just boom, 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 boom. Right. And we just hit the brick wall. And like, we, we just sat there and we tried to go to church and we sat in parking lots of churches and we just stopped because we just couldn't go in, uh, go in because we just didn't feel like we were ready. We just didn't feel like it was our place. We just, we felt like lepers in a sense because we didn't know what to do with ourselves. Like Scott said, after he was, he was done being a lead pastor and there was that season in between, like, what do you do? And I've been joking for the last eight, nine months and calling it the civilian pastor life. Like I can go visit, <laughs> you know, we're, we've been attending a Presbyterian church for like three or four months here in town. And it's been the weirdest thing ever. Cause they're very traditional, very yeah. liturgy driven, very, and I'm like, this is not my, I'm a very kind of charismatic worship leader. Let's, let's sing that chorus again and <laughs> bite the Holy Spirit in this place. They're like, no, we can't raise our hands. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very different from what we need. But like, you know, I had lunch with that pastor a couple of weeks ago and he was like, I'm just so glad you're there. And I'm just glad that you're, um, you can give perspective. Mm. Um, and to what I said earlier with the credentialing board, like, why aren't we more graceful with, with folks who have been through traumatic experiences and why can't we walk with them and do a better job of walking with them and finding that, like, it feels like almost like I've had to do this. Scott's had to do this. And, you know, you said that, you know, you've walked with people too. Like we've had to go out and find our own people. Why can't the church help us after we've served them for so long? Yeah. Yeah. Like that'll be, it it reminds me, it reminds (laughs) me of a, it reminds me of a, Something I said to my wife, this is a couple months ago when we were just talking about whatever, or is when all the craziness with the Church of God and stuff, you know, at the national level. And I, and I made a comment like, well, why can't you just let it go? Like, why, why do you keep getting assessed over what's happening at the national office and how that's going to affect you? And I said, well, you know, it's like watching it's like watching a it's like watching a dying parent almost like like in some ways. And my wife goes, yeah, a parent that didn't care for you. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, dang like it it hit it hit like hard like because you know and i I mean and maybe carson you you guys can kind of talk about because i know we talked about what you guys did to kind of but how is the church that you're kind of attending now serving at how has that kind of helped with with some of that reconciliation some of that growth as well do you feel like you're in a better space now like oh to do ministry yeah like to serve okay like that's that's I'm sorry, I jumped on you there, Scott. I just no, no, you're I was, good. I was wondering, like, how do you feel now? Like, obviously, you were in a way different place back then, but like we learned. Well, first off, we we learned like how to do ministry together, which is kind of like maybe don't that much. You know what I mean? Like, we just have different. You know, we're we talk about how we're how versus wow, and and you know, it's like we don't. We just try to. We're we're a couple, and so we don't do a lot of that that stuff together. You, no, we have our own interests. Yeah. 
their yeah. own callings. And, you know, I'll obviously do some of the weird, they're not weird, community outreach events. Like I'll make snow cones and cotton candy with you and yeah. you'll wrap presents for the children at the ministry with me. But she's and- not in meetings, you know, and that's where we will have a lot of our, a lot of our angst came at meetings. It's yeah. like, cause I love them. I love meetings. Well, love some of the, so, some of the, one of the things we had to learn that's something that's fascinating to me in the last six to eight months in the season that we're in has been, we actually go to church together, right? We go at the same time. I don't go at six o'clock in the morning. I'm not the guy turning everything on. I'm not the guy running rehearsals and she's rolling in with Starbucks 15 minutes before service starts. Like, yes, I need that coffee. Please come. Um, Like, (laughs) but like we, we, we get up, I get her up, we get ready. We go to church. We walk into church. We hold hands. We hold, you know, like we walk into church together for the first time in our 10, almost 10 years of marriage. It's like, wow, what a concept we can We can go to church together for a little while. Uh, I think the first church we went to, we had one person ask us that they didn't want to talk to us and they wish we weren't there. And um, so that was tough. That's really happening. I I have the screenshots. Um, I might not have the screenshots, but I I did at one point. Um, You know, and then we went to another church and, you know, I got involved and, you know, they wanted to, the theologies don't line up all the time, you know, and it's like, so we moved on from that one and uh, we found where we're at now. And they just, like you said, you know, Skyless, they just appreciate someone because we went in with the mindset of what would we have liked to have in a parishioner when we were pastor. Yeah. You know, yeah, I was like, so absolutely. I was like, all right, well, let's just, let's take this, this one pastoral couple and let's take them out to dinner. Like, let's, you know, whatever we can do for them, you know, and just help and, and be there and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, eventually they want to, they want to put you on staff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you used to be a pastor and you're treating us so nicely. Yeah. Well, you're hired. <laughs> so I preached a couple of times and then it just kind of snowballed from there and, joined a few different ministries and, you know, ended up taking over this, uh, this other service. Yeah. And you don't make me lie at the chairs anymore. I don't. <laughs> the Achilles heel was the chairs. It was the chairs at, at the other church. I, uh, I straight, he would have this panic and like, fix my chairs. The chairs bother me. They still bother me. I have issues. We, we have issues about chairs yeah, still but, at this but, church, but just not with us. Right. <laughs> Is that why you guys keep adjusting your chairs through the whole video now? I'm joking with you. It's not lined up with yours. But Hold now on. it's not my <laughs> issue. Uh, <laughs> the center of the list, I'm not going to lie to you, the center of that window not being at the center of these two chairs. Is that uh, making you crazy? It, it has bothered me the whole time. Oh, well, good thing I can edit that and zoom in the digit and make <laughs> no, sure it's level just for you. I may yeah. cut off like an ear or two, but it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but Carson, Ashley, thank you guys so much for being on the show. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, and, you know, my my hope is that the people who are listening to this, that they not only know your story, but they kind of can relate to it. Because, I mean, you know, even just with you talking, you know, I've, I've been in that situation. Mike has been in that situation with just the dealing with the feelings and stuff. And, you know, I think a lot of times anybody can deal with stuff and, you know, at the end of the day, what the church and what church leaders need to do is when stuff like this happens, when, you know, they have to show grace and they have to surround. I mean, actually in class today, we were talking about uh, James, uh, James five sixteen. you know, 
bear one another's burdens as you fulfill the law of Christ. And we really mm-hmm. sat there and we really, we went around the room and the professor goes, what's the one thing in ministry that ticks you off that what's that button? And everyone went around. And I mean, I've heard things from narcissists, um, people who say they're going who, who overcommit and underdeliver. My big thing was church leaders that worship at the altar of politics like that was my big thing. And then like, you know, well, how's God going to help you deal with that? And how are you going to, and when you're in that situation, how is God going to use you or the spirit going to use you to navigate those situations? And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, we all have to deal with stuff. We're all going to have our own ways of dealing with the stresses and the frustrations and the disappointments. But like with Micah being at the Presbyterian church and you and me being at UMC churches, right. Like, they have shown grace and mercy and they're kind of like that tribe that accepted you when your own tribe wouldn't. Right. Scott, you know, Scott, you know what they have in common? Presbyterian and UMC churches. Denomination. They say hi to each other at the liquor store. They say hi to each other at the liquor store. I was going to say that they're denominations, but that's a good one too. <laughs> they're denominations. That's a good one too. They wear robes, right? <laughs> they wear robes. <laughs> Actually, Pastor Jason at the Presbyterian Church does not. Oh. <laughs> Pastor Colleen, she doesn't for the contemporary service. She does for the traditional service. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on the Scott Stemmon podcast. Um, and we hope to have uh, both you guys on or Carson or even just, hey, you know, Carson, I don't want you on my show. Ashley, I'm going to have you on my show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, either one of you back on the show, it'd be it'd be great. It would be a good time to talk. So, again, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, man. It's good to talk to you. Yep. And if and, you want to know more about ChristianMingle.com. You can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but friends, thank you so much for listening to the Scott Simon podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you know a friend or maybe a pastor who might, you kind of notice things you're struggling with. Share this episode, uh, share with friends, give us a five-star review. And again, leave comments, send me emails, do whatever. we. If, you, if we like it, we'll read it on the air. But until next time, I'm Scott. Have a wonderful weekend, and I will be back on next week with another episode. Take care. Bye.